welcome to Lazarus Theatre Company's new podcast, Spotlight On, where we turn the spotlight on to reveal the people behind the scenes, those who make Lazarus work, the creatives, the artists, the process, the creation. Hello and welcome to Spotlight On. I'm Gavin Harrington-Odidra, producer of Lazarus Theatre Company. We're recording on Friday the 23rd of April 2021, William Shakespeare's birthday, and to celebrate we're having a Macbeth 2020 reunion. I've brought together Alice Emery, Darcy Willison, Fred Thomas and Hamish Summers, who were all in our 2020 production of Macbeth at the Greenwich Theatre, to talk about Shakespeare, their thoughts on the bard, and to reminisce and dish about their experiences of our 2020 production. Avid listeners will remember Lazarus associate artist and current leader of the 60 Second Challenge tied with Ricky Dukes, Alice Emery. She played Lady Macbeth in our 2020 production of Macbeth and Flewellen in our 2015 all-female production of Henry V. Alice also played Titania in A Midsummer Night's Dream and Rosalind in As You Like It in uh, previous productions that she's done. Darcy Willison trained at Fourth Monkey Actor Training, where she played the role of Friar Lawrence in Romeo and Juliet. Her Lazarus debut was in our 2019 revival of Lord of the Flies as Roger, and joined the company of Macbeth to play the roles of Lady Macduff, Angus, Murderer, and Satan, or Seton, depending on however you like to pronounce it. Fred Thomas trained at the Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts. His Lazarus debut was in our 2020 production of Macbeth, playing Malcolm and Apparition. He has also played Snout and Mustard Seed in A Midsummer Night's Dream and Ferdinand in The Tempest. And finally, Hamish Summers hails from the land of Macbeth and trained at Mount View Academy of Theatre Arts. His Lazarus debut was in our 2020 production of Macbeth, playing the roles of Lennox, the bloody captain, and as a weird sister. He is also a stalwart participator in our Lazarus book club. Hello, everyone. Hello. 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 Happy Friday. Good Friday. That is the (laughs) longest introduction I've ever had to do. So (laughs) thank you very much for that, everyone. Welcome. How are we all doing? Well. Well, good. Nice day. Sunny day. Fantastic. Sunny day. Excited for this. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely sunny day for Shakespeare's birthday. Um, so uh, we'll just go around the room or virtual room as it as it were um, how have you all been keeping busy and creative over the last year Darcy do you want to start us off uh, yeah sure um, so I recorded an audiobook as kind of a help to, to a writer friend of mine uh, which was great that really really kept me going and I the way I did it is I actually read the book chapter by chapter as I recorded which was really fun um, but I've actually been doing a lot of yoga, a lot of movement, uh, some freelance kind of teaching over Zoom, which is different and weird, but works and it is what it is. So, yeah, I also got a dog. That's not being creative, but that's been keeping me busy. So there we go. I just thought I'd throw that in there. I remember <laughs> seeing the dog at um, at their Christmas drinks. Didn't 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 they hop oh, along? Yeah. Oh yeah, South came along to that. Yeah. Uh, he's got bigger and naughtier. So it's uh, just it's like a normal day. child, yeah. Yeah, just like me <laughs> at, at this point in my life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, uh, Alice, all good. Alice, what about you? How have you been keeping busy? Um, having actual kids is oh, helpful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> busy. Having twins, uh, they are now uh, well, they're going to be two in two weeks, three weeks, tenth of May. Golly. Uh, so yeah, they're running around, and yeah, they, as they get bigger, they get more and more mischievous. 
literally climbing on the curtains. Um, that's also because they're, they're now at the learning age. They absorb everything so quickly. So it's lots of teaching, lots of songs, lots of alphabet and colors and building blocks and all very creative stuff. Really challenging for me as an artist. <laughs> <for sure. laughs> Last time we spoke to you, you said you were constantly rearranging the the living room as well, building forts and stuff. Is that still happening? Yep, yep. 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 In fact, the, the kids are at Granny's today, so I'm going to do a whole big rearranging, like huge rearranging this afternoon, moving some couches because we know we're getting a, a play kitchen for their birthday. So I've got Jeez. to create space for that. Very exciting. <laughs> Very nice. Hey, Michelle, have you been keeping busy? um bits and bobs like i'm back up in the land of macbeth since uh since a couple of weeks after we closed macbeth um and as soon as i got up here i was kind of just like all right whatever's happening i mean want to be involved with like uh so i did a couple short films um with just a couple indie houses up here i did a music video for a death metal band from luxembourg um, so I got sent the song beforehand and like it's just it's not my scene and I couldn't tell you one thing that the boy was screaming about so I just had to keep on asking the guy directing me it was like All right what do you want me to do because I really have no idea what's going on um, so that was really fun um, and other than that just I got myself a wee job in Starbucks to have some income which is nice uh, so yeah that's actually kept me fairly preoccupied creative with those gingerbread lattes and yes oh, spice and... that's only a that's only a seasonal thing and telling people yeah. that it, they can't get that right now you'd <laughs> yeah. be surprised how angry folk get at not getting their sugary coffee mm, have you had many karens oh oh literally and especially when you get an order and their actual name is karen and they ask them what the most ridiculous <laughs> drink you have to stop yourself from laughing at them um so it's fun those, you know, poor, those, poor, those poor ladies that actually are nice and uh, just unfortunately named Karen. Karen. Um, well, then they shouldn't ask for a skinny, wet cappuccino <laughs> with an extra shot then, should they? <laughs> Isn't that what you were there for? Oh, I suppose. <laughs> Fred, Fred, what have you been up to? Uh, it's a very good question, Gavin. <laughs> it's a very good question. Um, where has 12 months gone? <laughs> um, no, um, like, like Hamish, after we closed Macbeth, pretty much... I, um, and we went into lockdown. I pretty much came back up home, which is Herefordshire. And um, yeah, just trying to keep busy, really, like like Hamish, trying to jump on anything that's um, anything that's going in that sense. Um, not quite death metal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've been learning the banjo. Is that something? Nice. That's, that's something that's been going Eesh. on. Um, I was actually in keeping with like the it's Shakespeare's birthday with the Shakespeare theme. Um, at the end of the summer, I started the Hereford Shakespeare Club. So like for sort of actors who were and theatre creatives who were Herefordshire locals who found themselves in a similar situation to myself, like out of London, out of work and sort of coming together to sort of collaborate on little projects. Um, so at the end, so autumn last year, I started because I'm, I live on a farm, um, so we started devising a Shakespeare fright night. So like different um, speeches and scenes, like installed around kind of spooky barnyard kind of area, you know. And we had it lit, but like a local theatre bought their lights, and they were going to light. They were lighting it for us. But um, just as we were kind of rolling up to um, to actually get a small audience there to kind of um, partake in, in our, in, as, an, as an audience. Um, we kind of, that's when the rule of six was first introduced. So we kind of adapted it for film. And so we have like 
a half hour short film of this sort of Shakespeare Fright Night, which we kind of filmed in a um, in the shed. So that and um, that's, that was that, that was really fun. So we've got this. It's called Something Wicked This Way Comes, and we're still needing to share the film. I've got it sat there on my hard drive, but we'll <laughs> probably get that out there when the spooky season comes back around um, later this year. Nice. Yeah. So cool. Yeah, and at the Mo, just off the so, so, and then that kind of followed on, and I'm um, currently directing a production of Julius Caesar to be shot in the same way. So over the last couple of weeks, we've been, um, since since we were able to open up again and meet in kind of small groups in, in open spaces, we've been devising those scenes and getting those recorded for a similar type of project. So yeah, keeping the Shakespeare creativity well done. Um, up in the show. So that's, so that's, yeah, so that's, um, been keeping me busy and so that's that's a that's a silver lining yeah. to, uh, <laughs> to this good okay um so you were all in the production of uh, macbeth uh in 2020 at the start of 2020 so covid kind of started being a thing talked about when we were in rehearsals and 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 really started kicking in during the run how did that how did that kind of cloud or, or um what was the experience in being doing the run doing the shows being in performance and having audiences in and knowing that this was possibly something that was going to shut down or did we even know that there was going to shut down everything um how did that experience go for you guys it was i i just coming back when you're saying that it just popped into my memory cameron constantly yeah. che constantly checking his phone for like the news updates and so for me, I was kind of like, oh, it was in the in the background, sort of that sort of brewing storm. Mm. But I was just, I, I was kind of focusing on rehearsals. I was going to do the job, you know. I was kind of so in what in what we were doing. I was kind of like, maybe that that sort of sort of British mentality of it's not coming here, mm. <laughs> you know. And sort of just business as usual, doing the show. That um, it was really afterwards when yeah. we kind of after the rehearsals, and I kind of almost took a step back into the world out of the theatre where I was like oh damn <laughs> like, this is how mm. how much it's kind of kind of going um I, I think I'm like Fred I wasn't overly worried about it um I was kind of like you know I'm young and healthy and naive obviously but yeah I think I think that I think the, sh the show was an amazing not distraction but it was it was great to have something else to because on any show all of your focus is there it's really hard mm. to put focus on anything whether it's worldly social life anything else um your focus really goes on to what you're doing and I think it was kind of needed at that time um mm -hmm. because it was definitely humming in the background I mean weird that we were doing a show that carries this kind of like spooky eerie superstition thing and then all of a sudden it's like there's all this eerie stuff happening out there as well um but I think yeah like Fred said it was thank god we had it because it was a massive focus point that wasn't focusing on what the rest of the world was seemed to be worried about mm -hmm. so it was nice mm. I remember actively mocking Cameron about it. Like I, I remember him sat in the green room being like, I heard somebody cough on the tube, I'm going to die. And just being like, stop being a fanny. Because like, uh, Cameron, bless his soul, became the little brother of that cast and oh, yeah. took it all yeah. on the chin. But I remember him just being like, you're just being dramatic, shut up. And then we should have listened to Cameron. Yeah. Cameron knew. We should have. Cameron knew all, yeah. Yeah. Let's hope he doesn't hear this because he doesn't yeah. need that boost to the ego. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But no, yeah, I didn't take it seriously at all until getting back to my bar job and being like, yeah, we need people to be washing their hands all the time. And I was like, what are you talking about? I'm still remembering my lines from last week. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so before we start talking properly about Shakespeare, because that's why we're here, right? We're here to, well, no, we're here to catch up really, aren't we? Yeah. Um, yes. But uh, I wanted just to hear it from each of you. Why acting? Why theatre? What is it about the dramatic arts that kind of drew you um, to it? And, and why are you still striving to do it now? I think, um, I think anyone that knows me knows that, I mean, there's nowhere else I could be. I, I'm too annoying to sit in an office somewhere. <laughs> I talk too much to not use that in a way that pays my bills. So I, I wish there was some great story. I think it was like a natural, my parents like this child has too much energy. Let's send her somewhere they can do something with it. I uh, did a lot of sport and acting stuck. And I, I think for me more than anything, I think this a lot comes down to, I did a lot of Meisner training. It's 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 true life for me. It's truthful life and connection with people without real world consequence. I get to fall in love every day, you know. In well, I, I am in a beautifully committed relationship, but I still get to fall in love on stage, and I get to fight people and want to kill them. And those feelings in that space is safe and it's allowed. And out here, we play by different rules. So I think that's it for me. It's the lack of. It, I I'm a, I like the risk. I like the danger. I like being a bit of a grenade. And you know, if I do that normally that gets me in trouble but if I do it on the stage it's celebrated uh so that's that's it for me I, I guess the Roger and, and I can talk of, a lot Roger and Lord of the Flies was a perfect casting for you then I mean I I heavily deny it to this day I say I'm a Ralph okay <laughs> those who know Lord of the Flies I'm a Ralph I'm a love everyone everyone be happy and for some reason I don't know why you guys see this devil in me and you keep <laughs> putting me in these parts of these devils but it's fine I know who my truth is. No, it's so right. Royal Roger was a perfect casting. It is what it is. Alice, how did you get into it all? I know we kind of touched on it a little bit yeah. in your episode. Um, I I mean, as a kid, it was just, it, it made people happy. And I like that. <laughs> I liked making people uh, smile. Mm -hmm. I like comedy and being silly and stupid and singing songs. I always loved musical theatre first. And then uh, while studying musical theatre, I, I properly discovered Shakespeare. I was like, oh, no, this is much better. I'm going to do this. Um, mm. And now, yeah, as an adult, it's, it's the fascination of, of exploration. It's, it's very similar to what Darcy said, the, the idea of being able to explore all the extremities of emotion and situation and, and confrontation and uh, trying to figure out various dilemmas through the eyes of various different kinds of people. I find that very fascinating. So yeah, that's what motivates me. It's just endlessly fascinating to me. Hamish? Um, I remember getting asked when I was a kid being like, you don't have to, but your brother goes to drama club. Would you like to go to drama club? And I was like, yeah, sure. And now here we are. Uh, <laughs> I just, I think it started with the once a week and then you join all the amateur youth groups you can possibly fit in and justify while still having to do school and then you know, I could have applied myself to other things. I was smart enough at school, but I just didn't want to because drama and music was just so much more fun, getting to interact. I think living without consequences, that's a lot of fun, making people smile and just feeling entertained, like that you're entertaining them. Um, yeah. That was great. And also, I really, really wasn't very good at football, like really <laughs> bad. And this gave me a chance to like be in a group and work with a group and then you've got something to show for it and you're really proud and the feeling that you get in a cast, which we especially got with Macbeth, but I remember feeling more when you're a teenager, uh, when you're like, you know, oh my God, you're my friend forever. Don't talk to any of them. 
Um, and it's just like, it just felt amazing. It was just the most fun thing I could possibly do. And now it's got to the point where like I'm doing my barge or working at Starbucks and they're fine, but it's just, it's just not the one, is it? Like you've got to be doing this because it's the only thing that makes you like happy rather than just content. Yeah. Yeah. Fred. Yeah. Um, prepare for the, um, um, <laughs> uh, it's, it's 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 um okay i think the first thing i did back in the day i think my, my granddad took me to the local theater for like the amateur group when like for like the panto kind of season and i kind of went and after the first one i kept going back for like a few, few years with him and then actually yeah what hamish just said actually just it just ended up being what i applied myself to you know like, and um and yeah, what I kind of connected with most or enjoyed most sort of at a time, it's like going through like education when you kind of do have yeah, many pies and many sort of, you know, you're, you're trying out everything, you know, with the, you, you've got the access to a bit of science, art, but, um, and sport too. But what I was gravitating to and what I was applying myself to from quite a young age was um, performing arts. And um, it just, when I got to sort of, um, I think 18, 19 and kind of deciding kind of where, where am I going? You know, like, what am I actually going to dedicate the rest to? <laughs> you know, um, I, it was like, it was, a, it was like, a, well, if we look back, <laughs> it's a no brainer, really. It's going down theatre and, and performing arts. Um, and, and why do we still do it? It's one of those things, isn't it? Like, uh, since Macbeth finished, I um, worked in an office worked in a warehouse <laughs> and it like just getting back into like the rehearsal zoom you know like with people um just working on these little projects it's the, it's the best thing it's the best thing um yeah. so i think that's that's sort of my journey into sort of joining some amdram continuing it for education and then getting to that point where it's like okay you're level, leveling up in life which which road you're going to take and i was like well it's got to be that one so that's that's the truth good good that sounds um yeah I, I think some people call it a calling or, or a passion or a drive, but yeah, I think I think that kind of all of you uh, have encompassed all of those there. Um, and just for the listeners who don't know what we were talking about there with the um, there was a a promo video that we did for Macbeth last year in 2020, where uh, everyone was asked a relatively simple question, <laughs> and um, they all came up with their with their answer. But Fred had some trouble with it. He really wanted to think about it, so I quite meanly put in all the waiting all times. The though, uh, so and then my answer was like two words long. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not that I, I didn't cut anything out. It that, that was yeah. all of it. That was your response. But uh, so that's what we were talking about there when we were preparing for the um. Although you were much more eloquent this time, Fred. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, that's, that's good. I'm not happy about that. <laughs> so, okay, Shakespeare. Uh, why Shakespeare? What, do we like Shakespeare? Yes, no. Uh, do you want to pontificate on that? Sometimes. Sometimes, yes. great. Yes. I'm going to go for a solid yes. Yeah, yeah solid. Always. Yeah. <laughs> Don't yes. sigh at me, Darcy. <laughs> you can't always come on. You can't always. always. Yeah, yeah. I think Alice does always. I, that's to be fair. I, I think I've met few people in my life that so I'm like, no, 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 they love them always. And Alice is one. Alice yeah. is one. No, I've seen I've seen productions that I don't like, but I'm always like, I'm always game. I'm always game for Shakespeare. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
No, yeah. not Darcy. No, why not Darcy? <laughs> I just, how do I put this without making myself sound? I think with Shakespeare is is it's such a to and fro between the language is incredible. That I there's absolutely there's no I'm not on the fence about that at all. The language is amazing, and. I think it's I think it more so comments on my abilities as an actor. When I feel like I really can make it truthful, I adore it. If I feel that disconnect, I hate it because it feels so far away from me. I think the, the beauty of Shakespeare is that, you know, it's completely timeless. And I think the language almost lends itself to that, actually. I think, you know, it's a massive lesson in in how no matter how much the language has changed, the message that he conveys is incredible. I love that he literally directs his actors through his writing, through rhythm. Um, I don't like that he plays by like 7,000 different rules on verse and not prose and not and all these other things and he just can't seem to make up his mind and some of them he does all of them at once and one character and I just sometimes it feels like I want to I want to follow what you're putting out here but you're messing with my head a little bit but then equally I don't know any I don't know any other way of performing that just relishes text in that way and I'm not someone who like sits on words sits on words in what I do uh, I don't think anyway I, I like it to be a lot more about my body and I'm very physical but equally I think in voice classes in, in drama school he he made me fall in love with language so I love I love the language and I adore it but it started off on the wrong foot we started off in school with academics and I wanted to kill him so I'm still working on it. I'm working on the relationship, okay? We're in therapy. <laughs> We're getting there. But you, you haven't ended it yet. That's good. You're no, still, I haven't ended it. I don't it. think I will end it. Yeah. I don't think I will end it. Yeah. But so we're so maybe, on that's, it. maybe that's more a comment on Shakespeare education than it is a comment oh. on Shakespeare, maybe. Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. Mm. The academia behind it is, is more, and that didn't happen in drama school, thank God, but that's how it started. I think it's how it starts for a lot of people. You just learn about it in English, and I just sit there, and somebody in my class who just obviously doesn't want to stand up and read it just reads it like to be or not to be, and I just think, mm -hmm. "Fuck this, I'm out. See ya, peace." <laughs> I'm gonna play on my phone now. <laughs> Everyone else, do we agree? Do we disagree with Darcy? <laughs> See, I I have quite fond memories of studying Shakespeare in English. I like it's same with like I remember different thing I remember studying Arthur Miller in English and loving it and then studying him in the drama department and hating it because it was just yeah. taught wrong with this actually gave me a chance to analyze it I remember like in first year I can't honestly I don't remember actually understanding what I was reading but I remember doing Merchant of Venice in first year at secondary school in Scotland and just thinking like this is brilliant like why have I not had more chance to look at this this is so interesting this is so dramatic the stakes are so stupidly high um and it, and it does sound pretty and i think that alone just got me excited because like i too i loved fell in love with theater through musical through musical theater sorry so when everything's so dramatic that you need to sing if everything's so dramatic that you get to say it so fancy it's just exciting um See, no, I, I really enjoyed this school. That and Othello, I remember sat there. I mean, I hated writing about them, but I remember talking about them, getting to sit there and talk about those plays. Yeah, I just fell in love with it. Because you just, there was something about it that you just knew it was good. There was something about it that just mm -hmm. felt powerful. Um, yeah. Alice, you looked like you were going to say something. 
Yeah, I, I, I agree with Darcy that, that I had a similar early experience of it in school, that it wasn't taught with a great passion. It was in English class and not drama class. Yeah. So it was all very analytical, like going over poetry rather than, you know, treating a play as it should be and playing it. Playing it. Hence the name. But I had uh, a tutor for, for English when I came to do my GCSEs because I was ill and out of school. So I had a tutor who just went over Merchant, again, Merchant of Venice with me and I just because I was she just said okay read it read read the first act and then we'll talk about it and I sat down and I started reading it and it just made sense like I had been like uh, with previous experience of you know Shakespeare is this heavy thing that has to be taken so seriously and every word means something and all the things and blah 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 sort of a knowledge of the basic rules because it had been hammered in so uh acutely uh that I just it all flowed and it made sense it was like this is wonderful and this is this paints such a picture and and you know everything that's happening because that's the way Shakespeare works he describes literally everything that's happening on stage because they didn't have sets and they didn't have extravagant costumes and they didn't have ships to wreck they just had to describe it and it was all there and it was all on the page I was like that's brilliant how can you even do that and uh yeah that was the beginning of my fascination I was still uh, musical theatre bound and and a love of ballet and all that stuff. Uh, it wasn't until I was uh, did a second year course at RADA and had this this utter sort of tearing apart of my understanding of what drama is and what it can be and what acting is capable of, as well as exactly what all the rules that uh, exist in <laughs> Shakespeare. I loved them. I thought this is. Oh. There's always more. There's always something else. There's always another trick to it. That's fantastic. And so, yeah, that actually pulled me in further. But I agree the the academic beginning was very dusty and dry. And I think it is a reason a lot of people turn away from it and go, no, this is just just epic words in types. It's not fun. I think, I think that's really interesting what you just said, Alice, because um, I don't understand Shakespeare until I play it. So I can't read Shakespeare. So I haven't read many of the histories. Don't tell anyone, but I haven't. <laughs> and I, I've asked one. There's actually, there's actually very few I've read. So this is it. So if I can't, I can't read it. I don't understand it. I do not. I would, I would literally have to sit with a dictionary to get it. If I'm on my feet and I'm playing it, I get it. So until I play Shakespeare, I don't understand it. It just doesn't filter in. Um, so I think that's amazing that you said you read it and it came to life for you. It, it is like flat words on an evil page. I'll be really straight. I'm no Ricky Wallace, but like I, I hated. Go Luckily, I knew Macbeth because number one, I didn't have much time. But number two, I hate reading um, Shakespeare scripts before doing a Shakespeare. I hate it. I hate it with Romeo and Juliet, even though it's my favourite. Don't hate me on that. I know people will be like, oh, boring. But like, I hate reading Shakespeare scripts because I don't get them that way. I have to be up and as soon as I play them, then I get that aha moment. It's like, this feels mm. fucking amazing, but I can't get it from the words when I read, when I play them and I feel them on my body and I open the vowels and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but not originally. So that's really interesting. Well, I agree that a lot of them can be heavy. A lot of the, the, the well, some of the histories, because there's a lot of actual history in there and a lot of references yeah. that you don't understand. So you're constantly going back to the footnotes. And uh, even some of the, the comedies, characters like uh, uh, Bottom and uh, the name escapes me right now, but they have a lot of sort of colloquialisms and a lot of yeah. local language going on uh, when they speak. And so you still have to sort of check, what is he talking about? 
but when I did the the course when I was in in college I got the the BBC bless the BBC did the full <laughs> over like two decades they did every single one of them and I got the box set of every single play and I watched them and read along because they're pretty yeah. much unabridged yeah. and so that's how I was able to read every single I can claim to have read every single Shakespeare play kind of because I read it along with the the screen and that helped it come alive to me because that's I couldn't sick. play it in my room but I also yeah I play it a lot when I'm reading it as well um so that helped me get through the harder ones things like King John which is, yeah. is very heavy and 100% prose and and it can get very tangled and it's it's pol- politicizing quite I found uh Coriolanus was quite hard on that as well yeah I ain't read them I would be honest <laughs> I don't know them <laughs> all the obscure ones Pericles yeah, no. just a nightmare see ya out I go <laughs> I've seen Pericles. Couldn't tell you a bloody thing that happens in it. Yeah, it's pretty rubbish. <laughs> it's kind of like, only wrote lots, like of different of pl- lots of different plays together, right? Yeah. 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 You can really see the seams between writers. I found that fascinating as well as, as when I went to Drama Centre and sort of explored more of the early modern in general. And you can see these the wonderful fingerprints of all these different kinds of writers. Pericles, it's all in there. You can see the, the difference between everyone writing mm. and you can spot the Shakespeare a mile away. Mm-hmm. Fred, yay or nay on Shakespeare? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm a yay. I'm a yay. <laughs> I'm a yay. Um, it's a bit of it's, it's a funny. As I say, it's funny. It's like anyone's journey is different. Um, I think my my first sort of memory like a memory of Shakespeare is the Shakespeare animated, and um, yeah, like so, and it's like half hour abridged cartoons. And they were dark cartoons. It was like so. It's not like cartoon. It's animation. Like you know, it's like animation <laughs> rather than cartoon. You know. And I remember we must have been like year five at school. I've been like nine or ten, and we saw the Macbeth one. You know, that, that we were showing the Macbeth one. Yeah, and it's creepy. And it's really creepy. And I was like, this isn't like no. I wasn't thinking it as a kid. This is tragically inappropriate. Like um, <laughs> now in hindsight, I'm like, wow. Okay, they they, they went there and showed us that to nine year olds. Um, but. I remember like being scared, you know, in, in a in, like watching that that animation in the classroom and being scared by it. And I can I can still see it like on the whiteboard projector, you know, and, you know, the smart boards, they just come out, you know, the, you had to calibrate the calibrate the boards. They were brand they were new. 2007. <laughs> and um, and, and it was projected. It was like it was on one of them. And yeah, I was just being, I was terrified. I was really I was really scared. And then I and then I never really. I, I never studied Shakespeare at school in, in English literature or in, in drama. I, I, I'm quite dyslexic in, it, in, in that sense. It was quite, but like, I've kind of like now I've practiced, I kind of can get through things a lot quicker and, and better. But like, it, um, it was, it was, but accessing things on a page through like uh, predominantly like through, through school is quite difficult. And as I mentioned in my sort of access into like how I got into theatre, like doing through education and through like um, amateur dramatics. Um, I did the play every year, apart from the year it was Shakespeare and I auditioned and I didn't get in, you know? So, so my first time auditioning for a Shakespeare play, I didn't get it. I thought, oh, maybe this isn't for me then. This isn't an accessible thing. But, I, I, so, but and then when I look at it on the page and just being completely flummoxed by it to begin with. Um, but then it, it, I think it changed for me when, because I knew I was doing theatre. I knew that's what I was doing. And actors I admired from pop culture 
went and did Shakespeare and I was like and so I think I was kind of I went into them as fan I went into the plays then as fans of the actors who were doing the part like I think a prep I think an early one for me was David Tennant's Hamlet so he left Doctor Who so a fan of Doctor Who David Tennant leaves Doctor Who does Hamlet and I think then so then seeing David Tennant wearing a t-shirt doing this you know like doing those speeches I think so I kind of accessed it through pop culture like that and then so then I kind of went down the Shakespeare kind of train and sort of started learning more about it and doing it and sort of playing with it but so I think yeah so that was I think yeah and then finding more more in it and then when so yes yeah, so through the pop culture getting in there wow this isn't as elegant as the last answer I think <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, a bit more, it's a bit more meandering but you are getting us a point so. oh that's good yeah. that's good <laughs> uh, I'm getting I'm, yeah um I think she's got to be gone by four. <laughs> I'll stay for you, Fred. I'll stay. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, but then it was, there was like eureka moments. Like, yes, like you mentioned, like getting up and playing with it. Um, that, was, that was it for me too, really. I think hearing it in a, in a way which was accessible to me and then looking at that exactly as it was written on the page, all of a sudden I was like, oh, damn. Okay. And then things started like dropping into place. And then there's, then I started getting more and more satisfied, getting, well, getting more and more satisfaction out of making those discoveries on new pieces I hadn't heard other actors do, you know? And then, so then I sort of said like, so I think like, it was sort of like a watching people, hearing people, seeing what they did, and then a, applying it in my own kind of way. And then just sort of like, just, and then just having fun. I, that was it. I think it was it was more it was fun. It was something I think knowing that I wanted to do theatre, knowing that I wanted to be an actor, work in, yeah, work in, in this industry and knowing that this body of work is insanely prevalent and important. And, and then sort of just learning and discovering more about it. It just it just it's just it just it gets exciting because it's it's a common language. I think there's, there's there's a commonality that we all have different. We're here having like look at this like what we are the thing we have in common and how we know each other is all through is all through this. Mm-hmm. So um, and so I think oh gosh this is not oh, this is really away from the point. I'm yay. I'm a yay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yay. Great, great. Um, I might put in a couple of those uh, images uh, of you just thinking about that there as we go. Yeah, yes. Um, but actually something you just said there and something that most of you have said is about is about really um, having a connection once you've seen it performed or once you've been able to perform it. I remember um, when I was 11, I think, so long before we were you know, studying it at school, we took a school trip to go and see a production of Macbeth, actually. The first Shakespeare I ever saw was Macbeth. And it was this questionable production, professional production back in New Zealand, um, (laughs) uh, set in feudal Japan with lots of samurais. Ah, yes, Um, of course. (laughs) As you do. Um, I later went on to be in a production of Madame Butterfly with that director and uh, and finally understood he has a massive... Love, he's a Japanophile, so he loves Japan. So you can understand why he said it in Japan, right? Oh, um, I was waiting for Madame Butterfly set in Scotland. Uh, <laughs> oh no, I wish, I wish. <laughs> um, but uh, what what my teacher said to us was, there are going to be words you don't understand. Don't fixate on those. Just let the words, let the language wash over you, and you'll be able to follow 
along because it's 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 a performative language and a lot of the words when they've been written haven't been written they've been written for different classes of people right so often Shakespeare will say things three times because he's saying it in three different ways so that the three different groups in the audience can understand it so there are going to be words that you know the groundlings aren't going to understand potentially um so I I think that was a great way of introducing us to Shakespeare was to say just let it wash over you you'll understand what's going on you might not understand every word and that was really helpful to me and that was a really uh, key for the unlocking of it all um so i think yeah the performance and seeing it in performance really does help because that's what it's written for right yeah Um, so in my vast research, I found on Wikipedia that uh, <laughs> William Shakespeare was an English playwright, poet and actor, widely regarded as the greatest writer in the English language and the world's greatest dramatist. His extant works, including collaborations, consist of about 30 to 40 plays, uh, questionable numbers in there. Well, they say specifically 39, but I'm not sure that's exactly right. Uh, 154 sonnets and three long narrative poems. His plays have been translated into every major living language and are performed more often than those of any other playwright. So I think we've kind of locked onto some of these points already. Um, why do we think that is from, you know, our varying experiences of Shakespeare and our lack of PhDs? Why do we think that Shakespeare has such a renown and longevity while others of his contemporaries are barely performed or even remembered? I mean, number one, your assumption of my lack of PhD is offensive, <laughs> Gavin. Waiting I to be 100%. like quoted in essays across the country now, like kids, <laughs> and that, like yeah. they're doing the like, GCSEs and A levels. Well, Fred Thomas said this and that, yeah, yeah. that podcast. No. And it's just I obviously um... done a PhD. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, I think fundamentally, I think there's two reasons. I think number one is that now the language feels so distant from us, yet. The message of every everything he does it connects with us so much. I think that's a big, big thing that he writes in this way that I, I mean, I always say it when I whenever I teach or whatever. Back then, that language was normal, right? That language was was understood and, like you said, by varying classes. But it wasn't a it, to many of us. It feels like a literally like a foreign language now. But the message of the stories that he tells is so timeless. And like that word is so overused, but like it really, really is. Like as, as an actor from that, I think the first time I understood it from that perspective was as an actor, it felt contemporary. If the feelings that I feel are ones that I feel in my everyday life, just written in a different way. I also think, I also think truly that some of the great Shakespeare plays that have been turned into films have been cast very well. And watching Leonardo DiCaprio as Romeo is a great in and I think that's going to keep him going for years if they keep casting things like that and they keep making these great films of course I'm going to keep watching him I'd love to say Romeo and Juliet is my favorite play because it's timeless and great that is the answer I would like to give my honest answer is Leo is fit and he plays it brilliantly and I would watch it every day of the fucking week so I think I think as a as a as an industry, they've done really well sometimes to bring it up into that modern way that can be digested and can make young people kind of go, 
oh, maybe I do get this language. Maybe I do understand it rather than it stays so far away and so archaic and so old. It kind of bringing it into that modern world makes it so different, but then equally makes it understandable. So I think it's that, I think his messages are so timeless and that connection that you make is quite amazing because it shouldn't make sense, but it does. I was kind of like one of your answers, Fred, but I got there. Yeah, you got that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, moving on, I think in, in a way adding to it, and in my, I think my response to the question, um, I think it can, I think it is almost like a baton kind of handed down from generation to generation. And in a way that when you're trying to like, I find it quite hard to articulate <laughs> through words <laughs> as some of my answers to these questions have demonstrated. So when um, there's a when there's as when there's a character, when there's a passage of text and somebody can articulate their thoughts so eloquently and elegantly, I think the themes and the sort of the character experiences are sort of they, they're human universals and they're going like and the way they express seems so unique to them that it feels unique to every actor and unique to everybody hearing it it's like wow it's like I wrote that if I had though if I had those words in my head that is the best way that I could have ex I could express it so I just I think there's yeah, I think that he's, he's, he's talking about these, these, these universal, these, yeah, these, these universals, what it is, what, what are these human experiences of, of, of grief and, and jealousy and happiness and, and love? And those things that get stuck on the tongue, those things that get stuck in the head, and, the, and it pours out of these characters. And I think, for me, when I was able to access the text, so I'm kind of putting my personal experience onto everybody at this, <laughs> at this rate. I think it just, I think it articulates something in such a concise, concise, uh, clear, <laughs> in, in such a clear, and actually, so it, whereas the language might at first glance um, and at first encounter feel thick and dense and hard to access, I think once you're in it, it's the best way of expressing what you're trying to express yourself and I think I think you know that's that's for me anyway with my with my babbling tongue um so I think when when I think when a, a new generation like I'm talking for me for my, I mean again a personal experience that I'm putting out into the world that's all you have you have um, your personal have, yeah. experience yeah is that um discovering it is kind of like a oh damn this 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 is this 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 gets it this gets to the that yeah. this gets to the point better that this speech gets to the point quicker than i can in a podcast uh, <laughs> um, uh, you know like you know asking uh, answering questions about my own personal experience which i know the facts about you know like yeah. and this speech gets to the point of a deeper thing quicker than i can answering what do you want for breakfast, Fred? Oh, um, yeah, you know, like, yeah. So I think that's, yeah, that might be, that, that might be something. So he, he gets to the point, uh, he, but he does it in such an eloquent way that it really does um, connect and resonate. Is that essentially what you're saying? Yeah, and, and, and I think what he's, and I think for me as an, an, as an individual, what he's expressing with those words would be hard, I'd find hard to express. Mm -hmm. uh, it, and yeah. Hamish? 
Um, uh, very much of what Fred was saying, a lot about like the themes I think are so crystal clear and bold and like without making it too much about our Macbeth, so I'm sure we'll talk about that in a bit, but like we had a lot of discussions in the room about why we're doing this show, why is it relevant now, what what is in this that we can bring to now, and there's plenty in Macbeth, um, especially when it just comes to like ambition and stuff or like ideas of Icarus and all that and there's other examples of like in Othello you've got like pure envy and just all these very clear-cut human emotions that you can see and then you can identify and I think that's like you can without getting into the actors bring about it when you can you can see these big characters big leads and you know what their aim is or you can see what's holding them back or you can see the obstacles because they are so innately human and I think that what makes, and because they're written so well and the stakes are so high, or sometimes you've got witches, like it's <laughs> interesting to watch. We're like, um, on the, the book club the other week, looking at Dr. Faustus, which I really enjoyed and still gets done, like just in the last, I don't know, five years, there's been plenty of productions of it, but it's still not as known as Macbeth or Hamlet or whatever. Um, because and there's a lot in it and there's a lot of humanity in it but even reading it it's like it doesn't it's not as clear-cut like it feels almost a bit nerdier you need to be looking at it a little bit more analytically and again we were just reading the book I haven't seen the production a production of it whereas with some of these Shakespeare plays you know exactly what's going on you know exactly what we're talking about which sat at drama school, I'd have an easier time telling you what the Shakespeare play was about, what its themes were, than say some contemporary play that has like a family in it. You're like, what is actually going on here? Where in Shakespeare, you know, I think, um, if it's done well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Alice, what, why, um, why Shakespeare over someone like Thomas Kidd or, or Ben Johnson or what, you know, Ben Johnson has written a lot of plays and there's still a lot around that we know now, but why Shakespeare? Why is he still here? Well, I think what, one of the most interesting things about that is that though we, when we approach the language, it is archaic and it is older and it does take some study. And weirdly, the poetry is easier to understand than the prose when people are just talking. That's when it gets really complicated. Uh -huh. But Shakespeare at his time was the popular playwright, was the, the, uh, the, the, for the, the everyman kind of playwright. He was the, uh, the MCU to everyone else's art house. <laughs> he was the one uh, aiming for the cheap seats. Mm -hmm. And I think because of that, the universal truths, I think all the dramatists of that age in particular were looking to explore universal truth. Maybe all writers are doing exactly that. But it, it, that particular golden age of theater, they were fascinated as part of the renaissance of the study of man and what man is capable of, what, and what drives him and his motivations. And I think all of those plays have all that. Faustus in particular has a very specific uh, theme in mind, like what would you give to achieve everything you've ever wanted? Would it be your entire soul? Uh, but within Shakespeare, I find within the 37 by my count plays, um, every character, every choice, every type, not just man, but woman and child and uh, like different, like from what he knew, the, the races and pop, uh, populations and, and nations and creeds of the world that, that he could study, he did. And I think they're all treated with 
reverence. They're all treated with respect. They're all treated with the same amount of exploration as each other. Like he's just endlessly fascinated by every facet of every being that he could find. And within, from what I know myself, and, and I can find every type of character, every type of choice, every type of bad decision and good decision and everything within his plays. And I think whatever play you look at, even if it's one of the more complex ones, you can still find someone to connect to, something that you go, oh, that, that reflects me and that reflects what I would have done. And that reflects absolutely not me and nothing I would ever do. <laughs> you can find the polar opposite in every play. And I think it's, it's just sprawled out in a very ambitious way that just that just resonates for hundreds of years across time more than the others like Faustus in, since you brought it up I find is very focused on that one single character and there's not a whole lot else to focus on it's Faustus and then this demon that he's friends with and every other character is not as deep not as explored uh, whereas with Shakespeare you can look at a play like Hamlet and yeah like 34% of the lines are going to Hamlet but there are still characters within it like Rosencrantz and Guildenstern who you can pluck out and write an entire play about separately and still explore and stay true to the character that's, that Shakespeare created and then find more with them whereas I don't think there's a character in Faustus you could do that with but almost every play in Shakespeare that you can just pick mm-hmm. someone and go yeah here is the form of them and here is where they can go and and how much further they can be explored. And I think that is what makes him masterful and what makes him genius and what makes him resonate so much. Mm-hmm. I just love your brain that you can just throw out 34% from Hamlet yeah. and 37 plays yeah. from <laughs> Macbeth. Yeah, um, brilliant. <laughs> um, this is why we have you on, Ellis, why we work with you as yeah. well. Thank <laughs> God. <laughs> I like numbers. Yeah, no, absolutely, yeah. Um, something that you just said about um, Macbeth being a, no, sorry, uh, Shakespeare being a popularist or writing for a, a larger audience made me think, right, he's writing for an outdoor theatre. He's writing for the Globe. He's writing for a theatre that has groundlings, that has the, you know, the middle class, that has the upper class, all they're watching. Whereas John Webster's writing for an indoor theatre, which is much more exclusive. And maybe it's just there there are fewer people seeing his plays in his time. So there are fewer word of mouth kind of you have to see this play or did you hear about Macbeth or did you hear there were witches or. Yeah, I mean, I think Faustus is probably Marlowe's most well-known play now because it had so much press about it you know they actually conjured the devil on stage um whether they did or not it's a different story but that that was the that was the story of the day so that's why that one maybe is a bit more popular now or a bit more known now and hence why Shakespeare is a bit a lot more known now than someone like Marlowe or Webster or Thomas Kidd or Ben Johnson yeah um So we're talking a lot about Shakespeare um, and we're all here because we all worked on a production of Macbeth in 2020 at the Greenwich Theatre. You were all in it. I just watched it a few times. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So I just wanted to hear, you know, what you remember about their experience, what stories you have, um, observations, rememberings, comments, con, you know, things that, events that happened. Anyone want to kick us off? Uh, Well, um, Mine was really interesting because I came in to only one week of rehearsals. Um, so I remember a lot of fear, um, mm-hmm. pure blind fear, um, joy, joyfulness, um, because I was really happy to be back working. I remember seeing Alice's name on the castle and thinking, fuck, <laughs> that it's not all boys. And 
me that I had a friend and Alice, thank the Lord, we had each other. I really did think that. Um, and I, I remember, you know, I remember the COVID kind of bubbling around, but more than anything, I just remember feeling really strange and new because I'd only done flies the year before. So it'd been like one season to come back with a completely different cast. No one was the same. And, you know, wondering how that would feel, would it be different? And it was different um, in a new way, in a good way. And I remember thinking, you know, for anyone who knows Lord of the Flies, well, especially the way we did it, it's the most physical show. Like, my God, I was in the best shape of my life. It was amazing. <laughs> um, but actually, Macbeth was more exhausting. And it didn't quite land. And I don't know if it was the emotional kind of toll on it. Um, so I just remember being really tired in a really positive way. I remember feeling really supported by everyone, uh, taking on this like huge, huge text um, in a way that, that meant that we really like took care of each other. Which I thought was lovely. I just I remember picking on Cameron relentlessly, no. stealing his club card and <laughs> hiding it around the building. Um, I remember, yeah, being mean to him. I remember taking naps <laughs> mean. in the green, <laughs> taking naps in the green room, and I remember lots of fudge. So mm. yeah, and I just remember this real sense of accomplishment at the end of it. There's a gorgeous photo maybe you can do this with it here like fam here's the photo it's a gorgeous photo of us all hugging after the last show like yeah. covered in blood it was so disgusting mm. and like just a tilted crown on Fred's head um but it's just this the most wonderful wonderful image and I think it perfectly encapsulates how personally how I felt I don't know about the others but just mm. you know Macbeth is not it's not a small feat you know it's, mm. a, it's a really really big 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 show and the difference to like flies where flies really is 11 of us on stage all the time we are like that ensemble mentality that we're there and this was just ensemble in a whole new way to me that you know Jamie carried a massive massive Alice carried a massive massive weight of this play but at no point did anyone feel that sense of like well the, these guys are carrying it we're just here you know we we all lifted each other up in an, in really really special ways um so that was amazing. I, th I think that's that's something I'll take with me forever because, you know, to come from one show where, you know, you're literally all of you all the time in this mad chaos, which was flies, to knowing that there there is that different share of lines, that different share of responsibility, but within that, really being a team and an ensemble. I don't think, I don't know how often audiences or punters get to see behind that, you know, it, there's this whole idea and I, I personally haven't experienced it in my experience of theatre there's this idea that there are stars and then smaller parts and that just there are worlds where that happens it doesn't happen with Lazarus not in my experience um and that's really special and it's it just continued to make me hopeful in, in that belief that you will find those ensembles out there so yeah if that's for me it's, it's the team it's the team effort I'm picking on Cameron <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, kudos to you for picking it up in a week. That, that is, uh, mm. yeah, I remember that. And it's the um, team. It's the you team. Were ready. Yeah, you were ready. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyone else got any uh, stories? I must be boring. Everyone I speak to was in like well, before lockdown. I was in the production yeah. of Beth in London. I'm on that. Yeah, I've gone on about it, man. Um, but I think I would have anyway had uh, the world not uh, gone on pause or changed whatever. Um, it was just the best. Like, I remember it was like my first, I'd done like little bits and bobs after drama school, but it was my first proper like theatre gig. Um, and just coming into a room 
and working exactly the way that I like, like I was comfortable working the way that I um, felt like I did my best at drama school being like, okay, cool. There are people that like working in this uh, dynamic. There's um, people who care as much as me, like without going into like drama school politics or anything, but coming away from that and just being in the room with people who want to be there, who are passionate uh, about the work, about being part of an ensemble, everyone being so lovely. Um, it was just the best. It was literally just everything I want from a rehearsal room every time. Um, and it's, it's mad, like I, of course you came in ha well, with one week, Darcy, but like there was never, you were never like an add-on. It was literally like day one, cool, we're in the cast, go. Um, yeah, and again, bullying Cameron, ace, uh, pretending to have <laughs> lightsaber battles in between, on breaks, Fred, being massive oh, nerds. yeah, damn, the, um, yeah, that was true, just that happened. having stupid jokes with everyone, um, even picking up the, bloody paper after every performance oh, like, yes back, that's cherished um and also actually without giving too much of ricky's process away bloody french scening like do you remember that exercise and uh you can edit this out gavin if it's not on but having like if so we set up a little arena which is going to be our stage and in every time a, a character enters or leaves or it's the end of a scene or beginning of a scene whatever Gavin would play some absolute belter from the last 20 years and you just dance around in the circle. Dance is being quite uh, kind. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I just remember at one point Ricky gave himself a cape. Um, and <laughs> jumping into the circle and then saying your line and then the rest of your company saying what you mean back to you or not. And then you, you're playing this that shit fucking crazy game crazy. was also working on what you're saying. It was just the best. That's literally like, you can talk about all oh, like, you know, acting's important. I want to change the world. But then sometimes, sometimes you just get to fanny about with your friends and it's so much fun. It was, yeah, what a treat. I will literally be talking about this production for time because it was ace. Yeah. Lovely. Anyone else? Yeah, I'll, 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 um, I'll, I'm going to just literally kind of do a bit of a parrot here. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, literally like the last, yeah, literally the last 12 months is probably the only thing I've kind of brought up. Like I'll say, what have you been doing recently? Well, <laughs> let me tell you about this <laughs> that happened in March, you know? Um, it, yeah. Like it's, um, yeah, probably the start of every conversation with a new person. Whenever I meet someone new and it's kind of like, since, since every new person I meet is probably one of the first things I talk about with it. Um, yeah, I think, well, I think, I think it was something that I, I found, yeah, actually I, I was, I was, <laughs> another thing I found really hard to articulate, but Hamish, Hamish, Hamish got onto it there where leaving the room and entering the room and feeling like, okay, I did my bit. I contributed like my slice of the pie and everybody contributed their slice of the pie and we're not missing any pie. You know, it's like, you know, everyone, everyone, you know, it's like, we've got a whole pie. It's not like, oh, damn, I've got to go and do some more bacon tonight because we're short on pie. Like everyone was bringing their ingredients. Everyone was bringing their pie. And um, so when we went so literally when we were in the process and we were every, every day, 
everyone had their piece. Everyone had their um, research from the task. Everybody had their answers to the questions, the, the, the uniting, the, the, the beats. Everyone did the work and, and everyone wanted to do the work and everyone enjoyed the work that when we got to the playing, like the on it, on the feet playing, we were, we had such a common language like you know like it wasn't one person's mind it was sort of how, how many there was there were like nine of us eight nine ten like eight ten. Like, and pl- ten, ten and loads of us everybody you know like i can't like this so much like, pie so much pie it was like <laughs> english touring theater like they're still cleaning up the jam <laughs> um they've just left the building that's it they've yeah <laughs> like you know that's a write-off so it's um but it was it was literally just like it got to a point where every choice every decision every acting choice every sort of design choice everything that was brought into the room came from a shared conversation a shared understanding so when we got to the the playing in terms of like hey, like what Hamish um, talked about with the sort of setting up the arena and the dancing and sort of playing with the props in the scenes, we could just explode, you know, like all the ideas that we'd kind of um, established, all of that sort of language we'd established, the ideas that we'd established, um, we could just explode and trust that whatever comes out is going to be grounded um, with this shared understanding and if we fall, we're going to fall onto a nice soft pastry and some jam. Yeah. And because we've got loads of pie, yeah. um, you know, um, but no, that's what no, so I think that's and that's what it was. And I think and the nonsense here, you know, like we're here talking, oh, here talking about so pie, you know, like yeah. and yeah. This, this was that, that, that's just kind of like that's, that's what the rehearsal process was like. You know, there was there was plenty of nonsense, you know, and, and, and plenty of sense as well. And um, the pub. And oh, the, the pub, pub, yeah, the pub was the glue that held us all together. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 that's no, no, it wasn't. Um, it was, a, it was a, that was the with cherry the on top of the yeah. pie. Coffee. Um, yeah, gosh, that was a ramblings of a madman. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, Alice, uh, I'm gonna, you, you yeah. want to go well, I just agree with absolutely everything that has been said, and to, to go off, uh, what Fred was saying that I this this was like my first big acting job for I think two years because I had baby. So I was doing that for a while. And then uh, they were still nine months old when I started. So, uh, you know, I was busy times, uh, like sort of four or five hours sleep a night, uh, if that. But you're my hero. You're my hero. But the thing is, like, as an actor, especially when it comes to Shakespeare and early modern in general, I overprepare at the best of times. So for this one, when I was coming in with fear and trepidation and and will I be good enough and this is a major role that I've wanted to play for a really long time and I'm doing it with my favorite company in a really big theater and this is this could be awful um so I was very very over prepared for everything and I actually researched everything and like Fred mentioned walking into the room and everyone else had done the same everyone else had their answers everyone else had had their thoughts and in between everyone kept going like everyone was keeping track of what was going through the days and like there was a lot of energy and and madness that was left in the room but I still think nothing was left entirely in the room each evening we were all going back and thinking more and more and yeah there was there was that that fear sort of two weeks in when we we lost a cast member and then I remember over the weekend hearing it was going to be Darcy and going yeah yeah we're fine 
<laughs> Darcy came in on Monday. I was like, yep, we're fine. Because she just like the energy you came in with and the prep that you had already done and that you brought in and you already had like even like start so like you say you were fearful and trepidatious but you still just came in with the energy and started throwing shit on the walls with the rest of us to see what stuck and it was great and it was just an, a wonderful vibrant thing that the process in particular those rehearsal rooms so mm-hmm. running around like mad people doing the french seating was always brilliant but that particular one was so fun and then I think we did really well taking that energy into production and every every performance we were all still exploring and all still trying. And 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 like you say, like it's a big role. Like the, the two two leads on that are big roles. And just feeling the support of of eight people beneath, like with all that energy, all of it feeding into everything, everything following on and never a beat being dropped and every scene feeding into the next scene and keeping it all going you you never feel alone felt alone on that stage i never I think, felt alone on that stage despite the fact that i had a lot of monologues i think <laughs> i think just literally alice just to compliment what you were just saying i felt the way that um the pro the rehearsal process was kind of carried out it kind of i felt ownership of yours and um oh fuck why where's my name where's my Jamie. Jamie. Why the, I, was, I, I know that's like, literally. I was I, the J. I was going to say the J, and I was good. I like literally. I was just like. J, so I, I just forgettable. I, no, it was. I'm so sorry, Jamie. Hope he doesn't so, listen so, to this. Jamie, I'm so sorry, <laughs> listeners. Sorry, listeners. I. I <laughs> sorry, listeners. Um, sorry, Jamie, for listening. I, I do know your name. And literally, I was seeing your face. I was just seeing your goddamn handsome face, man. I just forgot your name. <laughs> if you're listening. Yeah, I, I felt ownership of because because the way we went through the, um, the, the the going through the play, we felt I felt ownership of scenes that I wasn't in. You know, like yeah. you know, like just sort of like because we were there supporting throughout the like around the edges, and we were involved in. I think there was a couple of evenings where you might have stayed on a little bit longer, or one scene went on a little longer, and and we kind of and some other cast members wrapped early, a little bit early, but like for the majority of the process, I think that was two days out of what twenty. You know, like, yeah. and um, so I felt uh, from being in the room and involved and in as part of that conversation throughout an ownership of scenes, which I, I wasn't even in and sort of I kind of felt the beats and felt the movement of that scene um, when I was in the wings, you know, <laughs> you know, like um, as it was on stage. And so yeah, that, I think that complements what you were saying. And I'm sorry, Jamie. Well, I think I think that 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 makes total sense because every single night the epilogue fell to you and I I always felt like that 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 final speech the way you deliver it it always felt so right like this Mm. is this is the conclusion we've been leading to it couldn't have led anywhere else I can actually picture him walking forward right now and like rolling up his sleeves yeah the doing the The blare oh yes Yes. And it oh, always God. that conclusion always felt natural and right and satisfying, which was such a big, heady, intense play. Actually, ending it can always be quite difficult, especially when you're a character that, that doesn't necessarily have that much stage time yeah. until right at the end. You've just got to get the audience to connect to you in a grand total of two scenes <laughs> at the, in the second half. And and yeah, it, it, so yeah, hearing you say that, it makes sense that that you all that energy just fed into you, and then it all came out in the final epilogue, and it all fit. 
speaking of inevitability and inevitable endings, um, we've, you know, we've got to do the 60 second challenge now. Mm -hmm. uh, we've never done this before. Three people doing the second uh, 60 second challenge. So Alice, as you're the yeah. reigning supreme champion, um, along with Ricky Dukes, uh, paired for, tied for second, uh, tied for first, um, you're going to keep track of time. We're going to go one at a time. We're not going to try and do it all at once because <laughs> <laughs> I just can't do ticks that many, that fast. Um, so we're going to start with Darcy and we're going to move on to Hamish and then we're going to move on to Fred. Uh, if you've listened to the podcast before, you know that the rules are simple. All you have to do is answer the quick fire questions. You have to answer them as fast as you can. So we want to get as many in 60 seconds as possible. You can oh. pass, but they those passes won't they won't add to your score. Alice, what are you on at the moment? Do you remember? You're fucking good. Hmm? Alice, what are you on? What's your high score? 16. You're on 16. Ricky Jukes yeah. and Alice Emery are on 16. So 16 to beat. 16 My to resting beat. heart rate is far too high right now. <laughs> I'm, I feel like I'm going to reveal some deep, dark truths. I don't know. <laughs> I'm nervous. The idea. Yeah. Shit. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. Turn the right. brain off and speak. <laughs> Um, I'm going to share my screen so you can all see the so countdown sad. clock. The countdown <laughs> clock. Okay. So, uh, Darcy, are you ready? Yes, as, as I'll ever be. Alice, <laughs> are you ready? Yes. You're going to, are you going to clap at the end? I'm gonna yeah, clap you're going to clap at the end. Great. So, we'll uh, take your final answer when Alice <gasps> claps. Here we go. 60 seconds on the clock. Darcy, what's your favorite subject in school? Maths. If you were instantly, if you could instantly become an expert in something, what would it be? D driving. Where is your happy place? My house. What's your favourite book? None of them. Cake or biscuit? Cake. If you could win an Olympic medal for any sport, real or fake, what would it be? Hurdling. What's your party trick? I can stand on my head. If you could change your name, what would it be? Uh, Hamish. What's <laughs> one thing about you that surprises people? Uh, I do shut up sometimes. What are you currently reading? Nothing. What's the first career you ever dreamed of having as a kid? Astronaut. What's your favourite word? Fuck. Beer or wine? Wine. If you didn't have to sleep, what would you do with your extra time? Run. If past lives were real, what was yours? A uh, 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 parrot. Movies or theatre? Movies. If you had to eat one thing for every meal going forward, what would I eat? What would you Pizza. eat? Okay, that was a clap from Alice Emery. That is time. I'm not going to tell you what your score is yet. I'm going to oh. wait till the end. I'm going to wait till the end, and we're going to move on to Hamish. All right, here we so go. If uh, if avid, if uh, avid listeners or clever listeners have uh, been uh, noting the questions that I'm asking, there's a pool of thirty questions, and I randomise them for each person so hamish yours are different there's the same pool of questions but they've randomized differently so they're going to oh, come no. at you differently i've just prepared them in the I know, perfect okay so here we go 60 seconds hamish are you ready <laughs> not at all but bring it unless <laughs> are you ready yep here we go 60 seconds on the clock what job would you be terrible at chef what's the first theater you saw uh, the singing kettle if you could instantly become an expert at something, what would it be? Physics. What are you currently reading? Uh, it, uh, it's by Hunter S. Thompson, and it is called Generation of Swine. 
what was your favorite subject at school? Drama. What's your favorite book? Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Horror or romance? Horror. What are your most used emoji? Uh, I think it is the little sad face thing, which is like pouting. If you were given the chance to explore the oceans, go to outer space or visit 50 countries, which would you choose? Uh, outer space. Sweet or savory? Sweet. What was your first job? Kitchen porter. If you didn't have to sleep, what would you do with your extra time? Read. What's the first career you dreamed of as having a kid? I think actor. Tea or coffee? Coffee. If you could change your name, what would it be? Brian. Movies or theatre? Theatre. Just got in there with that final question. Just got in there. Okay. That is two down. Fred to go. Brian. Oh, Fred to go. Brian. All right, okay. we're going to have a, a, a we'll new head of the leaderboard right here. <laughs> here, here we he might comes. just, we might just. <laughs> okay, so here we go, getting your randomised questions up. Um, okay, erase that. Here we go. Fred, are you ready? Is that one of the questions? No, <laughs> we haven't started the clock yet. <laughs> All right. Alice, uh, Yes, yes Fred, ready. you're ready. I'm ready. Alice, are you ready? Yep, yep. 60 seconds on the clock. What are you currently reading? Beautiful and Damned. What job would you be terrible at? Prime Minister. Uh, what's your favourite book? Um, any picture book. What's, your, what's the first theatre you saw? Cinderella. If you didn't have to sleep, what would you do with your extra time? Run around. What's your party <laughs> trick? Um, binge drinking. What's your most used emoji? Um, little green tick. Cake or biscuit? Cake. Beer or wine? Beer. What's your favourite word? Fuck. Movies or theatre? Movies. What colour qualities do you value in people whom you spend time with? Loyalty. Uh, what's your happy place? Um, a field. If you could change your name, what would it be? Emery Kane. If you were had given the chance to explore the oceans, go to outer space or visit 50 countries, which would you choose? 50 countries. Dogs or cats? Dogs. If you could win an Olympic medal for any sport, real or fake, what would it be? 100 metres. Uh, what was your first job? Um, sales assistant. Sweet or savoury? Savoury. Oh, you just got in there. Just got in there. Okay. Okay. Nice. Let's stop our clock. Um, okay. This is really interesting. Really interesting. So, Alice and Ricky are on 16. Then Darcy came along. And Darcy, how many th do you think you got? I think it was like 14. It's probably like 14. You got 17. <gasps> you are the current champion, Darcy. Darcy is jumping around her room, screaming. I got 18, though. I got 18. Yeah? Like, <laughs> <laughs> then came along Hamish. Hamish, how many do you think you got? Maybe like 10, 11. You think you only got 10? Yeah, I, I feel like I ummed a lot. I threaded. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can tell you, Hamish, that you got you got sixteen. Nice. Oh, All right, cool. joining the club. So you joining the second, the sweet sixteen. The sweet yeah. sixteen. <laughs> <laughs> so, That's what we're called. Uh, yes. And then came along Fred. Yeah. Okay. I like that down. That downward inflection there, Gavin. I, I, <laughs> Fred. I, Alice I, got sixteen. Darcy got seventeen. Hamish got sixteen. How many do you think you got? I think I. I think I barely broached the double digits, but I think I got in there. I'm going to say twelve. You are wrong. 
What did I get? Like you got nineteen. Oh 19. shit! You you kidding me? I am kidding you not. I am wow. Kidding you not. Yeah, you, your answers were sh- they were short. They were concise. There was even time for some funny pitches. It was great. Darcy cannot believe it. I'm not qualified to talk about what that means. <laughs> I, know, I don't even know. I don't even know. <laughs> Darcy is livid. What an upset. Oh, I, I'm actually, I'm actually, I'm no one's more surprised than me. I, um, <laughs> that was a good 15 seconds there, Darcy. You were raining, yeah, yeah 15 my, seconds for a <laughs> My pride and glory lasted as short yeah. as Fred's answers. Yeah, wow. my <laughs> word, my word. Well, the, I think that 19 is going to be hard to beat, Fred. I really what? do. Wow, yeah. this is like uh, now, I, uh, this is like a Lazarus legacy. I, I I'm gonna. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Are you are you allowed to say that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That that is character growth. Yeah, from, absolutely. Uh, yeah, from from, from that video last year where you didn't say anything to to this nineteen <laughs> answers. Yeah, nineteen answers. Wow. In it. Wow. Yeah, they Come a long way, arts baby. aren't important. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder. Yeah. What about, I wonder. Wow. Yeah, Congrat- <laughs> congratulations, congratulations. Well done. Well, thank but you. well done, Darcy, and well done, Hamish, as well. Thank Sweet you. Sweet 16 there, Hamish. Nice one. I'll take it. Uh, huge thank you to Ellis, Darcy, Fred, and Hamish for joining us today. It's been amazing to talk. I wrote fantastic, but actually it's more than fantastic. It's been amazing. <laughs> um, uh, so tell our listeners where they can find you on social media and websites. Uh, Darcy. Uh, I'm on Instagram, Darcy Willison. I'm on Twitter, Darcy Willison. Um, and I also have a yoga business, which is Move With D. So uh, that's where I am. Amazing. You'll see me there. Hamish. Instagram and Twitter, just full name, Hamish Summers. That's as creative as it gets. Keeping it simple. Keeping it simple. Alice, where can people find you? At Twitter, at Reggie Seeley, confusingly enough. <laughs> Keeping it simple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Fred, where can people find you? Um, you can find me on Instagram at fred b thomas and twitter is the same and hereford shakespeare club website will be up before too long hopefully um if all goes according to plan so any work like that yeah can check that out there on the website so we'll keep an eye out for that well thank you for tuning in we will be back next week with another spotlight on podcast until then find out how you can get creative and get involved with our year of exploration by checking out our facebook page Twitter profile at Lazarus Theatre and bits and bobs on our Instagram at Lazarus Theatre. All the details can be found on our website www.lazarustheatre.com. I've been Gavin Harrington Odedra, and until next time, stay safe and stay well. Lazarus Theatre Company is a not for profit organisation that relies on the generous support of our friends, angels, and principal supporters. If you wish to support this podcast or any of the work Lazarus Theatre Company is doing, you can visit the Lazarus Supporters page on our website, lazarustheatre.com forward slash Lazarus hyphen supporters, or you can send any amount to paypal.me forward slash Lazarus Theatre. Every bit counts. You have been listening to the Spotlight On podcast hosted by Ricky Dukes and Gavin Harrington Odedra, produced by Lazarus Theatre Company. The music you've been listening to is composed by Bobby Locke, and is from our 2016-2017 production of the Caucasian Chalk Circle by Bertile Brandt.